Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right. I am Tom Appel, and this is episode 132 of the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you get a chance, do me a favor and check us out at consumerguide.com. While you're there, check out our 2022 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or truck. You also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide and a bunch of other fun stuff. And and you can catch up on back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage. All right, let's see who is online with us today. Back after working two weeks of double shifts at the vape shop, she is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk. Hey, Jill Simonello. Well, hello there. Uh, yeah, you spilled my secret about the vape shop. I mean... It's a good gig. Well, you know, it pays well. Pays pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> no, two, two weeks of um, constant travel, actually. I, I am having today, like I got back on um, Tuesday night, and usually after I'm done traveling that much, I'm just basically like a zombie. So I'm, I'm just coming out of my zombiehood today um, from, from all the travel. But I got to see some cool stuff and do some cool things, so no complaints here. So there you go. And we're going to talk about one of the things you've been doing in a minute. But, but yes. first off, first off, I wasn't kidding, just so people know, I wasn't mm-hmm. kidding. You are now in possession of an Abe Vigoda t-shirt. I am now in possession of and currently wearing an Abe Vigoda t-shirt. I will, I will post a picture to Twitter and Facebook uh, later today, but yes. I have it. I'm wearing it. I am um, glorying in my win. Uh, now that's an extra, extra small. That cost me three hundred bucks. Um, <laughs> okay. So I, hope it, I hope it fits you okay. Uh, well, it was a little bit big, but I gave it to my husband, and I think he managed to shrink it a little bit. So we're, right. we're good now. All right, Jill, before we move on and introduce Damon, I just want to run something past you real quick. You mentioned that uh, you're feeling spry and bright because you got some sleep after travel. Uh, some quick math. At, oh, no. at, at 300, I'm sorry, at 350 per, at $3.50 per, do you know how much Chicagoans pay in tax on a gallon of gasoline? Specifically Chicago. Wait, you said, I'm not feeling that mentally spry. I said three, 350 per gallon of gas? Yes. So how much I, I don't even understand what you're asking. If gasoline is three dollars and fifty cents a gallon. Yes. How much of that is tax in the city of Chicago? A lot of it. Um, I feel like our gas taxes are really high, um, and I, I'm going to say like a dollar fifty. No, you're a little high, but it's ninety three cents. And, okay. and obviously, Chicago is worse than the collar counties is worse than the state. But here's a little bit of a weird thing. If you see a list of how much each state pays in gas tax, mm-hmm. you'll see that Pennsylvania and California at fifty eight and fifty one cents are the highest. And Illinois only comes in at thirty nine cents. But in Illinois, you still pay sales tax mm-hmm. on that price. So it's really 61 cents. So Illinois has the highest gas tax in the nation. Yeah, that's, um, I will tell you of all the places that I've been uh, recently, Chicago has some of the highest gas prices. I would say um, 
though um, California beat us by about a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're at six dollars per gallon right now. Now, the reason I'm bothering you with this is because I did the research for something else and I wanted to use it twice. <laughs> and, you, and you wanted to share it. I've got it. Yeah. Yes. I'm actually, uh, Wednesday night, the day we record this, I'm going to be on Your Money Matters with John Hansen. So I will share that uh, podcast later on. Awesome. There you go. All right. Because your He's money a- does matter. Absolutely. He's a senior editor here at Consumer Guide, and he only buys produce from convenience stores. Welcome, Damon Bell. Oh, that would be a bad practice, I think. <laughs> I, I, had, I My college roommate. My, go ahead. I noticed this morning that the 7-Eleven that I stopped at for Diet Pepsi had tomatoes uh, in a little mm. cooler area next to blister-packed hard-boiled eggs. So, tomatoes. My, my college roommate, uh, there was a chain of, he was from suburban Minneapolis, Minnesota, and there was a chain of convenience stores there, I don't know if it still exists or not, called Tom Thumb. And he, it was like like a Seven Eleven type convenience store. He worked at a Tom Thumb. He told me one of his jobs, they had like shrink wrapped green grapes. One of his jobs was to pick out the obviously uh, moldy brown grapes from the shrink wrap packs and re shrink wrap them. Ugh. It's good work if you can get it. Good work if you can get it. Guessing that's not uh, grade A produce there. <laughs> no, probably not. No. Oh, um, <laughs> it seems like we're going short on the on the silly talk today. Damon, what's coming up on the show today? Uh, we've got our friend and auto journalist colleague Robert Duffer on the show today. Uh, yeah. he, is, he is senior editor at uh, thecarconnection.com and actually a whole uh, family of websites. There's thecarconnection.com. Uh, Green Car Reports, Motor Authority, he's got a hand in all those. Uh, He's going to join us in the second segment uh, to talk uh, about Toyota Lexus uh, three-row SUV rumors. Uh, More than just rumors at this point, but not officially confirmed. Let's say rumors, though, because it sounds more intriguing. It sounds more enticing, yes. You want to listen to the whole show because there's rumors. (laughs) There's rumors. Rumors and innuendo. Um, And also, I think we're going to talk about uh, both Robert and Jill uh, recently drove the Ford F-150 Lightning, the pure EV full-size pickup from Ford. So that's a very big deal. We'll probably uh, pick Robert's brain about that as well. Sounds good. And then Jill. Yes. Jill, you've been in the desert eating scorpions for some reason. <laughs> well, you know, to show that I'm tough as nails, that's that's why I've been eating a scorpions. Um, yeah, so um, I'm, I'm doing a thing. And uh-huh. um, it's, it's kind of a cool thing. It's called the Rebel Rally, and it's a women's only navigational driving rally. So it's not one of your typical... I'm going to drive fast through the desert kind of races. It's I'm going to get navigation points and plot them on a map and use a compass and a ruler to figure out how to get there. Um, so they take away your phone. They take away the GPS and the vehicle that you're driving. And wait, 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 how will you survive without a phone? How long is this rally? It's 10 days. It oh is 10 gosh. days. You're not going to tweet for 10 days? Um, Well, no, no, I'm not going to tweet or Instagram or TikTok or anything for 10 days. I may try and conscript my husband into service and see if he will log into my accounts and tweet for me. 
um, but but I don't I don't know if he will. Um, he does not he does not tweet or Instagram or TikTok. So um, that could that could be a challenge. Okay, um, so, but, so you're, you're yeah. doing this rally. Um, yeah. And then how does this work? You you have a car, you, you're going to drive your husband's car or what, what um, So I, we actually um, are being sponsored by Hyundai this year. So we will, thank you. So we will be driving the Hyundai Santa Cruz. And they're they, truck. They're, yeah, their new little pickup truck. And they're giving us some... They're, they're, they're modifying it a little bit, and we don't know exactly how, like, what the final modifications will be, but we did training uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, and they gave us off-road, Nitto off-road tires, um, and the, they put a, a bed rail, um, yeah, I guess a bed rail rack over the, the, um, the bed so that we could have a, a spare tire on there. And um, then we'll, those were the primary modifications. And, and then we're, we're talking about what else we need to do. And you say we, it's going to be you and a, a fellow. And we should say this is the Rebel Rally is a off-road desert navigation rally uh, strictly for women, correct? Yes, yes, yes. So and, it's female and, only. And you have a drive partner. Um, have you? Your drive partner is Christian Kristen Shaw, correct? She, yep. a fellow automotive journalist. Yep. And have have you decided, or have you determined which one of you is going to be the driver, and the and which one's going to be the navigator yet? We have not. Um, okay. So um, we went through. So it was two days of off road training, two days of navigational training, and. Um, the two days of driving was, you know, it was easy. The, the Santa Cruz did really well in the sand. Um, but then we got to the two days of navigation. And um, it, it's interesting because I am very detail oriented. And so, like, I was very precise with, like, my points. And, and, and Kristen is much more big picture. So I, I don't I don't know. We, we, we haven't we haven't quite gotten to the decision of who. And, and by the way, we, we did a couple of um, checkpoint tests and we did not hit the checkpoint. Exactly. We got in the vicinity. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have to do some more training to figure out who the navigator is. Oh, I want a camera in this car. We will, um, we will, yeah. we will keep, we will keep tabs on this. Obviously, there's, there's lots more to come here, and this is, this is through the, basically the desert wilds of California and Nevada. Is that correct? Yeah. So, ba- the, the, you have a different starting point every year. So, we'll be starting near oh. Lake, Lake Tahoe this year. So, it's not the same starting point, and then we, we go from there. So, we don't know exactly where we'll be from day yeah, to day. Yeah, I guess they don't want you to have pre, uh, yeah, have information ahead of time. Uh uh-uh, uh no. And yeah. so they and, and I feel like we will have um, base camp in the same location like two nights in a row, so you'll come back to the same point like a second if you night find and then it. you move on. If you find <laughs> it, yeah. With your, your map and your compass and your ruler. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so you've got you've got a little time to prepare for this because it doesn't yeah. the official rally doesn't happen until this October, correct? Correct. So we, okay. we wanted to get in on the training early because I'm a whole fan of knowing what I don't know and now I know what I don't know and it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot that I don't know (laughs) Jill what is the hygiene situation (laughs) um I honestly don't know but I will tell you I bought a whole bunch of dude wipes um, 
I'm prepared. I'm prepared for um, not having a shower for 10 days um, with with my dude wipes and um, a lovely hat. Um, but we have to wear helmets anyway, so you won't see my hair. But mm. um, but yeah, so I, I don't I, it, for training. There was a single shower that we could um, take turns. So long lines waiting for the shower. I think I, I showered twice while during training. Um, but yeah, dude, dude wipes for the win. We'll, we'll just, I, we'll just I, leave that there. I, I was looking on the the Rebel Rally website. It did mention shower and bathroom facilities. So I, I think they will take care <laughs> of you there. Fingers well, I think, crossed. I think base camp will have like mobile something, mobile showers, mobile. But but it's again, you're going to have 60 to 70 teams. So 120 women vying for shower space. Oh man, there's just two women in my house and I can't yeah. get a shower. <laughs> yeah. So, so Joe, what is the mortality rate each year? <laughs> Zero. Um, I, to the best okay. of my knowledge, nobody has quit, nobody has gotten lost, and nobody has died. So, um, feel pretty good about that. <laughs> All right, so I should probably bet that you come back. You, you should actually bet that we come back. I think Chris and I All are right. going to do an amazing job. Huh. All right, well, good luck to you guys. This sounds like fun, even without the showers. Uh, <laughs> if you do have to eat something gross because you get lost, please let us know about it. Oh, well, we're bringing our own snacks, by the way. Cause, you oh, know, is that allowed? Uh, yes, yes, you can bring your own snacks because I'm, I'm gluten-free and dairy-free, and so heaven only knows if those scorpions, scorpions are gluten-free and dairy-free, so um, I have to be <laughs> very are. careful. They are. <laughs> Okay. Well, are they nut free? Because Kristen has a nut allergy, so we have to be very know. careful. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right, Damon, we were going to talk about something else as well here. Yeah, we were. Uh, speaking of rugged off-road SUVs and trucks, uh, Volkswagen made some news recently, and I would consider this to be a I was this caught me out of the blue, and I yeah. wasn't expecting it at all. But once it's totally out there, random. I think this is a great idea. Uh, Volkswagen has announced that they are reviving the Scout, and that might be a vehicle that's not familiar to a lot of people. Uh, International Harvester, like the tractor and implement and truck company, made an SUV in the late 60s and 70s, into the early 80s, I believe, called the Scout. 81. I think till 81. Um, And if you're a car guy, most people, most car guys know what the Scout looks like, and and have a fondness for it. Very similar to the first generation Bronco, a boxy off-road focused SUV, really before the term SUV existed. And through a convoluted series of corporate acquisitions (laughs) over the years, Volkswagen has found itself as, Tom, do they own the company Navistar now? It's convoluted, as you noted, but actually a company yeah. called Traitor owns Navistar, and Traitor, or Trader, it, Trader sounds bad, yeah. Trader <laughs> is 90% owned by Volkswagen, so that's that story. Yeah, and Na- International Harvester eventually became Navistar, so the Scout is a defunct property, but it is still under the umbrella of Navistar, so now that Volkswagen owns that they have the rights to the the scout name and interestingly interestingly enough i did not see this released on volkswagen's united states media site it was on their international media site they showed a couple uh profile sketches of mm-hmm. what this new scout would look like and i can't remember if i've even mentioned this pure ev which pure makes EV. perfect sense pure ev 
uh, an SUV and a pickup truck, um, and they've shown a concept sketch, and to me it looks great. The early speculation is that the Scout brand, and it will be a separate brand apparently, will be a very close match for what Rivian is offering right now in terms of being a mid-size compact, you know, mid-size crossover and mid-size pickup truck. There's a good joke I heard this morning too that for the first time ever, International will be International. Uh, because the brand, the brand had only sold trucks in the U.S. prior to this. But there's there's all sorts of interesting questions that need to be answered about this. It's all electric. We know that. It looks like it's going to be all U.S., which is interesting. But will this be sold by Volkswagen dealers? This is truly a separate brand. Mm-hmm. They're talking about it being a new company, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Ambitious plans, for sure. And yeah. already, already this, you know... Yeah, this rugged SUV space, be it gasoline engine or electric, has gotten pretty crowded right quick. You've got the Bronco Sport, um, actually even the the Hyundai Santa Cruz kind of falls under a little bit of this category, Um, and the Rivian pickup truck and the SUV variant to that that's coming soon. yeah, all of a sudden, this uh, futuristic EV off-road focused uh, SUV space is getting pretty crowded. Also, you used an interesting word there that, that you and I discussed yesterday, and that's rugged. And it's mm-hmm. looking like Volkswagen is giving some credence to the term rugged SUV, which yeah. would include things like the Bronco and the Wrangler and perhaps the Rivian R1T, things like that. So it, it's this. It's this severe off-road use kind of vehicle, which most people are just going to pop the top on and, and drive to 7-Eleven, but still. Yeah. <laughs> but still, fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the, just um, to kind of wrap this up, the, the plan is to show its first prototypes um, next year. So we should start seeing actual physical vehicles. Uh, at auto shows or something starting next year, and they want to put it into production by 2026. Which is interesting because that doesn't give them a lot of time to put a dealer network together if these won't be sold through Volkswagen dealers. Mm-hmm. I, I could see them starting as being sold in Volkswagen dealerships, like Genesis was originally sold in yeah. day, and then um, having them branch out as they grow. Now a point, and you're right, Jill. Uh, the Genesis thing was a complete nightmare, but they seem to have, they seem to have gotten that sorted out because Genesis is doing quite well. All right, so there you have it. Jill is going to eat scorpions. Volkswagen is bringing back an ancient truck name. Uh, I think that's the news. Anything else, guys? I think that does it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Robert Duffer of the Car Connection. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and I am delighted you're sticking around with us today. Hey, this is the part of the show when I strongly suggest that you follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is Car underscore Guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to be entertaining. All right, our guest today is the esteemed senior editor for Internet Brands, with much of his work appearing on the excellent Car Connection. Welcome to the Car Stuff Podcast, Robert Duffer. Hey, Robert. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. Tell us about uh, Internet Brands real quick. Okay. Internet Brands is the automotive vertical that is includes a Car Connection for general 
Car Shoppers, Motor Authority for Enthusiasts, and then Green Car Reports for pretty much everything that is happening now that's new. <laughs> you, guys, you guys have it covered. You got a lot of stuff going on there. A lot of stuff. A lot of, uh, a lot of content going out. Uh, small team headed by the esteemed Marty Padgett. Uh, uh-huh. And it's a, it's, a, it's a good group. Yeah, you guys do great work. And speaking of great work that you guys have done, you recently wrote a story, maybe not a huge deal to a lot of people, but it actually asks more questions than it answers. Uh, some big news at Toyota Lexus about a new a new model or two that's going to pop up in those lineups. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was first reported by Automotive News that um, in the next year, uh, Toyota and Lexus will both have a new three-row SUV, in addition to one of the broader SU- three-row SUV lineups that already exists. Yeah. So the, 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 the speculation, or at least the, the report said, that the, the Toyota version will be a larger version of the Highlander called the Grand Highlander, uh, which makes sense. And then the Lexus version will be dubbed the TX, which will be bigger than the RX, smaller than the LX, and neither of them will fit in a bread box. (laughs) (laughs) So we should talk about this a little bit, because the Toyota Lexus comparison here uh, needs to be addressed. I'm not sure Toyota needed a larger three-row crossover. I think the Highlander gets that job done, though they certainly want to charge more for something else if they can, and I think people are always looking for a little bit more space. But I'm not sure this addresses a, a gaping need on that side of the fence. But on the Lexus side, we had the RX, which was a terrible three-row <laughs> crossover, an excellent crossover. But when they went with the L, the long wheelbase version, they added about one inch of space inside. And basically, if you had legs, you would not fit in the third row. <laughs> yeah, the RXL was definitely kind of a stopgap measure that it added a smidge more cargo space and a third row seat that, third row seats that were among the tiniest and most uncomfortable imaginable. Mm-hmm. And and even for me, and I'm, that's saying a lot, <laughs> too. You know, I'm the size of a 10-year-old child. I couldn't fit back there. So, Robert, the best best use case for the RXL that I saw in the real world was for grandparents or older caregivers that had to shuttle their grandkids around um, infrequently but still needed that extra space that 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 was about it for functionality because as you all said it was tiny and then (laughs) so then you have this big gap in the lexus lineup between the rx and then the gx and the lx the new lx 600 and those vehicles are both based on truck platforms they're shared with the tundra and the tacoma um so it seems like lexus is filling their gap with a proper car-based unibody construction three-row crossover. The Toyota end, I don't get it. <laughs> what do you think of the name, Grand Highlander? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of the naming going on. I, I, I wonder, you know, it, it's curious if, it, if that increased size will just replace the Highlander in time, much like what Mazda has done with the CX-50 and the CX-90, that eventually will follow the pattern of the CX-30 and replacing the smaller CX-3. But the Highlander is such a good seller that I can't imagine it would go away. But then the question, too, is you have so you have um, 
We have the Venza, which is a five-seater. Then you have the Highlander, seven or eight-seater. Then you have the new Sequoia, which mm-hmm. is which is the bigger. But where does the Grand Highlander fit in from a marketing standpoint? And already the Venza kind of can be confused uh, for this or for the Rav Four. Yeah, I hadn't actually. Oh, go ahead, Damon. I, I was just going to say, like Toyota has such an SUV-heavy lineup, um, and I have to say about the name. And again, we should make clear this is all speculation to a degree. Toyota hasn't officially announced any of this yet, and they'll be pretty mum on it for uh, the, at least the next few months. Um, but I believe they have actually registered Grand Highlander, like with the U.S. Patent Office, so that suggests a degree of officiality there. When I hear Grand Highlander, I just the first thing that pops into my head is, are you guys stealing like Jeeps, yep. Cherokee, Grand Cherokee yep. setup? And with the with the uh, and and interesting with the Grand Cherokee and the Grand Cherokee L, the Grand Cherokee is well completely different vehicle than the Cherokee. Uh, and you've got both a two-row and a three-row version of that. So I guess in that sense, I, I, Grand Highlander versus the regular Highlander, which is already a three-row SUV, uh, is it just going to be a grander three-row in the grander <laughs> in the Grand Highlander? I guess that's what it's going to be. Unless it's premium as well. Yeah. Hmm. It could like have some they, luxury amenities. Well, yeah, they just take it up market, and they have the extra uh, third third row space. When I hear Grand Highlander, I think Sean Connery film that went straight to DVD. <laughs> the Highlander. Well, Grand Highlander. I think, the, I think the, the Jeep the Jeep comparison is a good one because you know you have the Wagoneer now and you have the Grand Wagoneer. Right. So maybe the Grand maybe the Grand Highlander will be a Lexus like version of the Highlander um, but then why why not just get the Lexus version I don't know man well, and, and along those lines too like if you because Toyota started this new thing with the capstone trim so why go Grand Highlander if you could just say Highlander capstone you know so right. I, I Yep. I don't know. It, it, it is it is interesting. It, as, as we said at the beginning, rumor and innuendo. <laughs> so, Jill, to your point on which sounds better, Corolla Cross Capstone or Grand Corolla Cross? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think uh, Corolla Cross Capstone is, is the old. Yeah. So, so on the Lexus side, we should just address this real quick. The, the, the old LX570 has just been replaced by the all-new LX600, but that's going to play significantly upmarket of where we think the TX is going to be, correct? Yeah, that LX600 uh, starts at about 90 grand. Okay. And the, the, thinking with, the thinking with that model was that it would be the stopgap for Toyota Land Cruiser lovers mm. uh, since the Land Cruisers are offered. And why did they do that? That's interesting because they, they had the Land Cruiser for so long, dealers seemed completely happy to get 30 of them a year or whatever and sell them at full list. It's weird that they finally pulled the plug on that now. Yeah, there, yeah there's some interesting things going on with Toyota's truck lineup, which, uh, as we all know, is uh, was one of the oldest in the, in the automotive space. And we're waiting yeah. on the Tacoma. Yeah see how that's going to look but the new tundra is excellent the that uh twin turbo v6 and then the twin turbo v6 hybrid are both 
outstanding powertrains. The, the curiously, the Sequoia gets the hybrid, twin turbo V6 hybrid. The Lexus LX600 does not get the hybrid, at least for this first model year of the redesign. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Forerunner once the Tacoma is redesigned, which should be announced this year, I, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what becomes of the Forerunner when the the Grand Forerunner comes? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Forerunner Capstone. Right. There you go. Grand Forerunner Capstone. There's a lot of overlapping vehicles, but Toyota has proven in the past that it doesn't matter to them. Like, I mean, you have right. the Venza is is a perfect example that it's sized it's six inches longer than the rav4 but it's got pretty much the same interior space it's got a little less cargo room it is finished like a lexus but badged as a as a toyota it's standard all-wheel drive standard hybrid um Mm. and toyota doesn't seem shy about introducing these sort of mid-level models that straddle both segment sizes in toyota's family and also sort of encroaches into lexus territory so it'll be interesting to see what happens you you make a fabulous point because the venza in my opinion is better than the lexus nx it's a very mm-hmm. strange situation and if you're looking at a rav4 and just want something a little bit nicer i don't know why you wouldn't go venza it's such a good vehicle yeah and it's you know it's got that it's more or urbane styling mm-hmm. like it's not as edgy it all the angles and the creases as the rav4 does so it's interesting I'm just I'm thinking about this the yeah we're, we're we've kind of established that Toyota is lousy with SUVs and where they can squeeze another one in is is uh, a question but man Lexus really does need a proper three row crossover SUV and uh, I'll be very curious to see what the TX looks looks like because as it sits now they've completely seeded that category to like a bmw x7 uh audi q7 mercedes gls like they they just don't have a player in that category accurate mdx too yeah Um, mdx as well yeah yeah good one so robert um you recently drove something i think a lot of people have been waiting to hear about the the ford f-150 lightning now uh, this is uh, an f-150 with batteries in it is this really a big deal (laughs) Um, w- without <laughs> without trying to uh, lean into hyperbole, um, it- it's probably the most important the most important car of the year, and not because Ford didn't do m- that much different with the pickup truck form. Like the analogy that I made is that when like when the Model S originally came out, everyone had to take notice because it was a great car that happened to be powered by batteries, right? And, and okay. Tesla proved that you make a compelling, attractive, performance, luxury vehicle that was battery-powered instead of, say, a Nissan LEAF. And that's nothing against a Nissan LEAF. The Nissan LEAF was very good for what it did when it first launched. They launched sure. pretty much within a year or two of each. And then what Rivian did with the adventure style, adventure lifestyle pickup truck with the R1T, it was a complete rethink about what you can do with that space inside the vehicle and with all the safety standards that are that are mandated and everything else um completely changed how you can look at what a truck can do and to a lesser extent in my opinion what uh, hyundai has done and kia have done with the the ionic 5 and the ev6 respectively both of those cars are excellent 
vehicles because of the packaging, the styling, the technology, and it happens to be electric. It's not that the the it was all about the electric powertrain, but that that design, that architecture helped them rethink what you can do with a passenger vehicle, whether we're calling it a crossover or a hatchback. I'm not going to get into that. But <laughs> Ford did, what, what, what Ford did with the Lightning was they took America's best-selling vehicle, they put in a battery powertrain that is not only um, more powerful and more capable, um, but also quieter, cleaner, quicker, and better in pretty much every conceivable metric except for the one you'd expect <laughs> which is price and availability mm-hmm. right um so that it, it would be easy for me to say without exaggeration that the lightning is the best f-150 on the market if you can get one which is a big if <laughs> that that availability probably drives a little bit of the pricing situation damien and i were talking about this i think it was last week if you wanted to get a mid-level xlt with the long-range battery, you are out $77,000 to start. So pretty expensive to go with, but but you drove it. How is it? Is it a nice thing to drive? It, it, it really is. Um, it, the acceleration Excellent. was stunning, but but to that, to your point, like the, the $19,500 upcharge from the standard range to the extended range pack and the XLT, which yeah. is a almost doubles the price of the pro which is great pro is awesome but for people that don't want to worry about range as much you know 320 miles versus what is it like 230 in the standard range it it could be a big difference and from what i understand the pro has been very popular with fleets as you'd expect Um, and you can't if you're a, a regular customer you can't get the pro with the extended range battery for now the pro yeah, of course being the pro of course being the base kind of fleet grade level uh trim of the f-150 lightning yeah yes. and, and when we when you when you say fleet grade like so it has it has like a i think it's a 12.3 inch touchscreen, and it's got it's like vinyl seats um it feels like an f-150 it looks like an f-150 I like it better than the top platinum, which was ninety thousand when I tested it. Interesting. Why? Why did you like it better? It just felt more like a truck. It oh, felt okay. Just like a, just like a mobile executive office. And I also I like I like Ford's smaller touchscreen because it has climate dials underneath it and buttons for audio. Oh, I like the, that too. <laughs> yeah, larger fifteen point five inch screen on the platinum. It's got everything integrated into the screen, which annoys me in a regular car, but it really annoys me in a truck. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you touched on range a little bit, and I want to I want to dig in just a little bit here because I, I had the opportunity to drive the F one hundred and fifty Lightning last week as well. And when I posted my reviews on Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk on the YouTube and the um, the website, um, I mean our our audience is pri- primarily truck guys and. I mean, they completely blasted the range, which, again, for the extended range is 320 miles. But I'm going to kind of put out a counterpoint and say the range of the truck isn't the issue because the range of the electric truck is virtually the same as the um, gasoline truck. The problem is the infrastructure and, and the fact that the charging infrastructure isn't there for the Midwest, which is where these truck guys live. 
Um, but I thought 320 miles of range was really good. And this is the first um, truck or electric vehicle, actually, that I would feel comfortable driving from Chicago to Indianapolis without worrying about range. Um, so do you, do you have any thoughts about range and, um, you know, what, what do you think it's good enough? Do you think it needs to be better? Or do you think the problem is the infrastructure? The, um, the, the, the architecture is going to allow what it can. And as, as battery capacity improves in the industry, eventually inevitably moves to solid state batteries, all of that will be addressed. But for now, yeah, there's an infrastructure issue and that will remain for a few years but the the yeah. reality is most electric vehicle owners charge at home yep. and what ford has done with the lightning is they have not only made it um a, a powered by battery but it's also a, a, a power source so like mm -hmm. if you want to shell up a lot of money and this is you know it's proven they ford proved with the f-150 hybrid that owners want to use it for much more than just driving to the job site or or road tripping and using it as a work truck and being able to power appliances being able to power um, anything you need on a campsite or a work job with their onboard generator and now they have the ability to power their home so it becomes a backup generator mm -hmm. it, it's expensive and like all the components that you need to make and i can't ever get ford's marketing names right it's like the charge station <laughs> pro with the, with the other charge home home integration system it's, close enough you know it's, it's an extra five grand but what happens is you can you can power your home in case of a power outage um for you know depending on when you do it for three to ten days which really depends on the circumstances so that shouldn't be even quotable um but it also enables you to supply power to your house let's say in the evenings when it's when everyone's home and everyone's on their devices and you're surging electricity prices um during that time you can power your house with this home integration system you can power it with the truck and then you know midnight two o'clock in the morning when uh, electricity prices are at their low then you charge the truck back up um it's something that people who live in remote areas and that get a lot of uh, weather conditions and the grid isn't as reliable as it could be. Um, I, I also think it would appeal to, to like, preppers. Mm. Other people, <laughs> it might, yeah. Who think, mm. who think that the that the end is nigh, always, um, which is a big segment of, of truck owners. So it, it's innovative. This is, and, and keep in mind, too, as far as range anxiety, yeah, like, I get it whenever I get a press loan because I still have a level 120-volt outlet in my garage that I need to upgrade to a level 2. So even on home charging, that's an issue. But keep in mind that we're at the beginning mm -hmm. of, the, of the electric era, right? Like, internal combustion engine we've been developing for 100 and 120 years. It's pretty efficient. It's pretty good. Um, but, yeah. Robert, we've completely run out of time. Tell us how we can follow you on Twitter. I'm at, at Duffer Robert. Uh, you could also catch me on LinkedIn, or you can follow my daughter's posting of videos on the TikToks. <laughs> Sounds good. Also at, Go ahead, I you say also at Duffer Robert? Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <Right>. I think. <laughs> uh, and Robert, most of your stuff appears on thecarconnection.com, correct? That is correct, backslash news, or you could also check me out at Green Car Reports or at Motor Authority. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us today.
Thank you for having me. All right. He is Robert Duffer with Internet Brands. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am indeed Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around today. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. It seems like a long time since you've gone through the lengthy lists of things that you do <laughs> social media-wise. Refresh our memories. I know. I've been missing out on new followers the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Jill Simonello. So just my name, Jill, uh, C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O, um, all one word. And um, I use the hashtag car du jour. Um, so it's what I'm driving today. But uh, I like to have conversations with people on social. So I hope that you will uh, tweet me, TikTok me, Instagram me, find me. I uh, Again, I don't like talking to people, so if you're going to engage me <laughs> on social media, prepare for me to be terse and unpleasant. Hey, Damon. Yeah, you are, mm -hmm. but you know. <laughs> I am. Damon, you are now tweeting extensive coverage of the new Hulu show, The Kardashians. We appreciate the public service. Uh, I wouldn't call that a public service. Is that on Hulu now? <laughs> I think it is. I didn't actually do that much checking. <laughs> I, know, I know them all. There's Kim. Uh... <laughs> Kate, Katie, uh, Kippy, uh, Keith, and uh, Sally Kardashian. Those are the and, Kardashians, right? Right, and Sandra Day O'Connor Kardashian, right? Sandra Day yeah, O'Connor Kardashian. If, if, if that was the quiz, I think you got one out of five there. Oh. I know they all start with. I know they all start with a K, except for that one that doesn't. That's Skippy. Skippy, or was it Skippy Sally? Kardashian. I can't remember what I said. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I don't and, you can, and you can follow me on Twitter. I'm one step ahead of you, Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Damon Bell Likes the Cars and the Kardashians. No, just Damon Bell Likes Cars. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a long right. Twitter handle. Mm. All right, it's quiz time here. Jill, you're on a two or three quiz winning streak? Uh, I think it was just two. But the second one won you an Abe Vigoda t-shirt. It did, in fact. Photo coming on Twitter after we are done recording. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that photo. I haven't seen you wear it yet. I've seen the shirt. Yes. It is the finest Abe Vigoda t-shirt probably ever printed. Oh. And there are several, so that actually means something. <laughs> mm -hmm. I wouldn't have guessed that there was more than one, but there, there are. No. There may be dozens. All right, it's quiz time. We can't put this off any longer. Today's topic is the rules of the road. My source for these questions is the 2021 Illinois Rules of the Road publication in PDF. Oh, great. So you're going to like make us fail our next driving test. Thanks for that. Yep, yep. All right, Jill, you go first, just because I don't remember who went first last. Jill. Okay. True or false, in a funeral procession in Illinois, mm -hmm. uh, a car in a funeral, pr funeral procession must display an orange funeral flag no less than six inches in height. True or false? Six inches in height. Yeah, orange flag. Uh, I, will, I will say true. All right, Damon, this question goes to you. Must display an orange funeral flag no less than six inches in height. True or false? Uh, unless you're getting 
uh, nitpicky with the height of the flag, and it's only five inches or something. I um, would never do that. Every every time every time I yes, see a funeral, every time I see a funeral proce- procession, I see those orange flags. So I'm going to say yes. I'll agree with Jill. Uh, you don't need to have the flags, uh, oh. but you should have your headlights and emergency flashers on. Nobody gets a point. All right, Damon, at what point should you engage your turn signal in an urban environment? Is it 100 feet before your planned turn, 200 feet before your planned turn, when your spouse tells you to, or the turn signal is no longer required by law? Boy, that certainly seems like the fourth (laughs) option is what most Illinois drivers uh, operate by. Um, I would prefer that it's 200 feet before the turn personally, so that's what I'm going to say. I think that's the correct answer. All right, Jill. Urban environment, 100 feet before your planned turn, 200 feet before your planned turn, when your spouse tells you to, or turn signals are no longer required by law. (laughs) I just feel like I'm going to be echoing Damon because, yeah, it it seems like it's number four, um, but I think think it's number two. Sadly, it's 100 feet around the state. Yeah, 200 feet in rural environments. uh, Interesting distinction. All right, no one on the board yet. No one's going to sweep this baby. Uh, Jill. <laughs> yeah. Jill, in, in, is it legal in Illinois to use hand signals instead of your turn signals, even if your turn signals are functional? <laughs> Depends on the hand signal. Um, <laughs> sorry. Let's assume your hand signals are being used to indicate the turn. So you're saying use hand signals instead of? Yes. Your blinker, even if your blinker is operational. That's correct. Um, and this is while you're driving a car, not while you're on a bike. <laughs> yeah, assume we're talking about driving a car. I don't know. You're sneaky. Um, and, uh, okay, and so you're asking if it's if it's legal or not legal. Yes. Um, I think it is not legal. You have to use a blinker. All right, Damon, this question goes to you. Do you have to use your quote-unquote blinker? Or can you use your hands instead? Just to make it interesting, and because that feel there, the motor rule guidebooks—they always seem to have odd, archaic things that were in there from 50, 60, 70 years ago that somehow haven't been excised. <laughs> so or in this case, one hundred years ago. One hundred yeah. years ago. So I'm going to guess that in a quirky, for some quirky reason, it is still legal to use hand signals. But it's because no one remembers them or knows how to do them properly. It's almost a moot point. I would say that it is entirely a moot point, but strangely, it is legal to do that. <laughs> okay, you got I'm it. on the board. All Ooh. right, so if, as you guys may recall, up means you're turning right. Your, hand, your arm straight out to the side means you're turning left. And in case you don't feel like using your brake pedal, uh, down means slowing down. Hmm. And anybody who actually does that will utterly confound the drivers behind yeah. them. Yeah, no, no nobody will know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. David is so, on the board with one. I would say Illinois needs to make that illegal immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen right away. Well, you know, I'm sure the, the policymakers are listening to us. All right, David. change. Damon, unless specifically for... <laughs> Damon, unless specifically forbidden, when is it legal to make a U-turn? Upon approval of a certified member of the clergy, when you have an unobstructed view for 500 feet in every direction, 
when the road's center line is white and solid on Thursdays? Um, white and solid. I, I'm going to say the, the, the 500, the clear view uh, of 500 feet in every direction. So when you have an unobstructed view for 500 feet in every direction. Jill, this question goes to you. Uh, unless specifically forbidden, when is it legal to make a U-turn? Again, upon approval of a certified member of the clergy, when you have an unobstructed view for 500 feet, uh, when the road center line is white and solid, or on Thursdays? Uh, I'm gonna agree and say 500 feet. You're both correct. I that feel like that like was a, really a gimme. <laughs> I feel like that was a gimme because all the other three answers were a little bit obscure. <laughs> really? Yeah. All right. Uh, Jill, true or false, the following statement is included in the Illinois Rules of the Road text. All right, true or false, this text is real. You must yield the right of way to any approaching train or railroad equipment. Um, you, um, well, yeah, certainly should, because if you don't yield, um, you, you, you lose, um, you must, so read it one more time. You must yield the right of way to any approaching train or railroad equipment. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, you threw me for a loop with the, the one, um, you should, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it's there. All right, Damon, is it there? Uh, I will agree. That sounds like something that would be in the book. Yes, apparently Illinois drivers are so dumb they don't realize that trains can't stop. <laughs> That's actually, that is actually in the rules of road. Damon, you win. It's three to two. Mm. We go to the bonus question because that's what we do. Uh, according to Eat This, Not That, in an article from April of this year, what is the most searched for soda that's online searched for soda in Arizona? Is it Tab, Red Bull, Haritos, or Pepsi? Who's who's going first? Oh, I'm sorry. This would be you, Damon. Uh, what is the most searched for soda? Yeah. Can you? They can called you... it most popular, but when you read the article, they don't know what the most popular is. It was the most searched for online. Well, if it's the most searched for, it would seem like it wouldn't be the most popular because people would already know about that one and not need to search for it. That's um, true. I you, know all about you, Diet Pepsi. <laughs> can you give me the candidates again? Yes, Tab, Red Bull, Haritos, or Pepsi? I am going to guess Haritos. All right, Jill, this question goes to you. I would tend towards Haritos as well, so I would I, let, let's say that's the answer that I would give. But um, I, I don't want to completely, you know, I'm just following in Damon's footsteps. Um, I I'll say Tab because they don't make it anymore. They literally don't make it anymore. Jill, insanely, uh, it is Tab. I don't know wow. why. <laughs> I almost wonder if someone died from drinking Tab in Arizona and there was just a burst of online energy looking for Tab information because why else would people be searching for that? I, I don't know. I mean, it, my, I have a friend here who is a Tab drinker and when they announced that Tab was no longer going to be sold in stores, he literally went and bought every box of Tab he could find so that it will last him through for like, Ugh. yeah. Man, 
That's and, every, and every can of tab already tastes like it's 25 years old. And yeah. it probably is actually 25 years old. When, when did they discontinue it? Um, I think it was right before the pandemic because he would before that he would bring a case of tab to my house if I was having a party or something and he would leave it there and he'd be like don't drink it because this is only for me when I come back to another party and um, I didn't drink it and then now now he won't bring it to me because he's afraid so I think it was pre-pandemic. Damon we're flat out of time here but give us a couple of things that are going on this week at the CG Daily Drive blog. Uh, we've got a test drive of the, uh, speaking of big SUVs like we were in the second segment, we've got a test drive review of the 2022 Jeep Wagoneer Series 2. That is the quote-unquote mainstream version of Jeep's uh, new extra-large SUV. We previously tested a Grand Wagoneer. Now we have the slightly more uh, slightly more attainable version, although the w- one we tested was still $82,000, almost $83,000. Um, for a more accessible family hauler, we have a test drive gallery of the 2022 Kia Carnival SX. Uh, we've got a test drive review of the redesign for 2022 Acura, I'm sorry, not Acura, Audi A3, uh, entry-level sedan from Audi. Uh, and then, Tom, you took a road trip recently and did a little boots on the ground research uh, at a Jeep dealership in small town Illinois and looked at what this particular dealer was adding on to the manufacturer suggested retail price of the dealership uh, of the vehicles on its lot and spoiler alert it was at least five thousand dollars in every case yeah that was fun to do and and again um this was a dealer. This is a real business. Why couldn't they buy real stickers? And don't they own a printer? That's all I'm saying. You got to check out. Stickers. They have a lot of sharpies to use up at this particular dealer. They burn through their sharpies, right? Because they're selling fewer cars, so they have more sharpies <laughs> to burn through. <laughs> yes. All right. Guess what we did? Oh, are we already up against the clock. We are, yeah. That's been uh, that's been a full hour there. So thanks to Robert Duffer of Internet Brands. We'll have to have him back on again soon. Jill, nice to have you back. Thank you, Damon. Thanks to producer Lady B and everyone here at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. As always, thanks to my radio mentor Steve and Johnny. Remember to follow us on uh, Facebook. That's Car Stuff Podcast on Facebook. If you have questions or comments, drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That is carstuff at consumerguide.com. All right. Let's talk more about cars again next week.